Thank you for joining us for another powerful message from the teaching ministry of Destiny Church. We hope that you'll be challenged and stretched to grow through today's message. But most of all, we hope that you'll encounter the Father's love. If you're in the greater Mobile Bay area, please join us for our weekend worship celebration. Or if you're looking for a church family excited for a revival, please come join us in bringing heaven to earth. I will constantly guard my heart and align it with God's holy word for everything that I do flows from it. I'm telling you what, guys, if you align your heart with the word, I'm telling you, your life is going to be amazing. It's not going to be without problems. It's not going to be without headaches and things like that. For the Lord says it rains on the just and the unjust. Good things happen to bad people. Bad things happen to good people. But the beauty in all of that is he's our living hope. That we go through it. I love there's a, uh, a place in Thessalonians where Paul is toss, talking to the churches, uh, the church in Thessalonica. And he says, hey, we don't mourn like people who have no hope. Like we mourn. But we mourn totally different. Like we have a living hope. There's a reward. There's, there's an afterlife uh, with the Father. So we mourn, but our mourning is not hopeless. We, it is actually hopeful. I was thinking about my dad the other day, and I'm like, man, he's been gone uh, from the earth for about, what, I think 21 years, something like that. And I, I just missed him. And I'm like, I, I'm looking forward to that day that I see him again in heaven. It's just really going to be cool. And so align your life with the word. And I'm telling you what, God can walk you through anything. I love you guys. I look around and I'm seeing some of you I haven't seen in a little while because of your work schedules and different things. So thank you for coming today. And I hope that uh, you've already felt a sense of God's presence in the house. And now we get to the part of the word, the living word. And Lord, we just open our spirits up to that, to your word, to the teaching, for your spirit to teach us anything, God, that will help us become more like you. So this free series that we're in is uh, Lessons from Galatians from the book of Galatians. And I shared with you that in this book, what Paul is doing, he's writing to those churches in that region called uh, Galatia. And he's talking to them about justification, which is simply says this, that I'm saved or made righteous through Christ's sacrifice alone, by itself, nothing else added to it. In other words, Jesus plus nothing equals my salvation. And he was teaching them this because there was a group of, of uh, teachers that were false teachers. They were false apostles and they were teaching error. They were teaching heresy. They, were, uh, they had this false teaching going about that said, um, yes, we can go to heaven. And Paul, he was sort of right, but, but you, you do have to still do certain uh, Jewish traditions and, uh, and, and rituals. And the big one that they were talking about was circumcision. And that's a big thing in Judaism. Uh, the Gentiles, the the Greeks, anytime you see Gentiles, it's talking about Greeks or people who were, who were uh, polytheistic. They had, they had a plural uh, view of gods, like the Romans were also that way. You know, they had the God of the sun, the God of the moon, the God of this, the God of that. And so they just worshiped uh, everything. And, you know, that time that Paul was uh, meeting them on top of Mars Hill, uh, 
uh, really kind of witnessing to all of the great philosophers of the time, and they had all of these different gods at the uh, top of the Acropolis, that mountain that they were at, and he said, you know, you guys even have a, a, a god over here to the unknown god. You know, like, what's up with that? And, and they're like, well, that's the god, like, you know, if we forgot any, you know, that's to the unknown, just in case, we don't want to tick them off, there's the unknown god, so if we miss them, at least we got them. Well, he, he's saying you know, no, we don't have to, uh, we don't have to basically do anything except receive Jesus as the Christ, as our Savior. And all of those laws, all of those traditions are put aside when it comes to receiving your salvation. See, there's nothing wrong with law. And, you know, I told you yesterday, uh, or what, a uh, couple of weeks ago, I told you that there's nothing wrong with the law. The law is just diagnostic. The law just tells you what's wrong. The speed sign on the side of the road, it, it's not going to make you slow down. It's just going to tell you with, when you compare that sign and the whatever dial on your car or number on your dashboard, it's just going to tell you those numbers don't match. And I'm either, either over or under. And the stop sign is not going to, you know, sprout wheels and chase you down and make you stop. The stop sign is just diagnostic. It just lets you know if there is or isn't a problem. And then what you or I do about that is up to us. That's what the law is. The law is simply there to point out a problem if there is a problem. And here's the thing. People who have a problem with laws are lawbreakers. That's the only people that have a problem with laws. You, have you ever really figured that out? Like want, thought about it? Like people who have a problem with, you know, a rule or something. It's because they have a problem with laws. We'll talk about that a little, more, uh, a little bit more later. But as I taught with you last week, I was talking with you about two trees that are in the garden that we kind of, you know, spring forth this teaching from. But I want to dive into this and I just want to read a little bit from the book of Galatia, uh, of Galatians chapter 3. And if you're in chapter 3, first verse, we're just going to read down uh, maybe about four verses. And I want you to notice when we're reading this, I want you to notice punctuation. All right. Because punctuation is there to let us know, is it a question? Is it just a statement? Is it an exclamatory? There's some oomph behind it. Just, just look at it, you know? Oh, foolish Galatians! I mean, he's got some oomph behind that. Now, this is, this is, it's really one continuous letter, but we've broken it down into chapters. So he's already gotten two chapters ahead of us, or in other words, he's already got a lot of the conversation ahead of us. And so as he's unveiling to them what's happening, he's frustrated. Now y'all don't ever think that pastors or teachers or prophets or apostles or evangelists get frustrated, do you? I watched this video the other day. Somebody sent me, this pastor was going off on the church. 
I mean, he was letting the church have it. He was telling them how terrible they worshiped. And he, was, he, he, he walked down off the uh, platform. And he, then he pointed out and he said, and don't, don't you think that I don't know about you and her? And I mean, dude, he's just calling them out. I'm like, mm-hmm. No, I'm, I'm like, you know what? But pastors, leaders, there are times when we get frustrated. I'm frustrated with some folks right now. I ain't going to call them out in church to you. But I'm frustrated with some folks. I'm frustrated because I'm like, you know, don't tell me you ain't got no friends. And if you're watching today and I'm talking to you, just, you, you just need to take it like a big boy. But don't tell me you ain't got any friends when everybody at church is reaching out to you, but you won't reach back. Oh, Pastor Rife, now that's so harsh. It is. But I, I, I'm like, you can only do so much. Pastor Rife, you don't know what they're dealing with. I do know what they're dealing with. They told me they're junk. I will walk through the junk with you. But I can't walk, I can't come up in your house. You know, I don't have a key. I can't get you out of bed. You groan. Pastor Rife, what if they've got mental issues? That's fine. I know, I know counselors. We can get you to a good Christian counselor. But like, You've got to do something. You have to literally do something. So don't tell me, don't tell me that you don't have any friends when there are so many people trying to reach out to you. Do not tell me the church don't care about me. When we've been there, we bought food for you. We've been to the hospital with you. We buried your mama. Don't tell me that the church don't care. Are you, are you with me? Pastors, sometimes they get frustrated. The church doesn't think that we're supposed to get frustrated though. But it's frustrating. And people, they tell me sometimes, they're like, I couldn't do what you do. And I'm like, you right. You can't do what I do. Because you got too much attitude. Pastor Rive, you sound like you got a little bit of attitude now. No, I'm telling you what. People who know me know that I am a long-suffering person. I'll let you walk all over me, spit on me, kick my dog. I, I, I will do a lot of things I will let you do before I say I'm done. But there is a time where I will say, I'm done. I've done all I can do. Pastor Rife, is that, is that the right thing to do? Well, I'm just saying, Jesus said, if you've done it, you've done all you can do, you went in my name, they won't receive it. Shake your shoes off, shake the dust off, wash your hands, and move on to somebody else who will be receptive to the word, to the message, to the light, to the love that you carry. And Paul, he's frustrated. Paul risked his life for these people. Paul is in modern day Turkey. It's a long way from his house. There's a lot of personal investment. He didn't just... Uh, you know, whiz in on a like weekend revival and have two or three meetings and he's off. He spent years of his life. He invested in these people. I'm telling you what, that's one of the, 
the, the worst things about pastoring. If you're a people person, and that's really, listen, if you ain't a people person, you're really not a pastor. You might be the leader of the church, but you're not the pa a pastor. You might be a teacher, you might be an apostle, you might be a prophet or an evangelist, but if you do not have people-loving skills, you're not a pastor because a poimen, a pastor, the Greek word pastor, is a shepherd, somebody who looks out, somebody who cares. Like if you don't have those, and one of the hardest parts about pastoring is broken heart syndrome. Our hearts are constantly broken. We'll invest in relationships and people will just cut them off and leave us. Just don't, won't even say goodbye. They holy ghost us. You know, they just leave us hanging. Don't, won't return your calls. I got, I got several people right now that are holy ghosting me. If you watching today, stop it. Answer the stinking texts. Answer the phone calls. Because we love you, but you got to straighten up. Like you have to do right. You have to come back to the house of the Lord. But you got to do it. I'm sorry if that sounds tough. But Paul, he's upset. He's poured so much into them. And let's pick it up again. He's like, he's like, Oh, foolish Galatians, listen to this. Who has cast an evil spell on you? Jesus, that's tough. For the meaning of Jesus Christ's death was made as clear to you as if you had, it had been a picture of his death on the cross. In other words, he's saying, it's as clear as the nose on your face. It was made that clear to you. We were explicit in the description of Christ and his atonement and what it takes to come into the body of Christ. He says, let me ask you this question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? Of course not. I'm just putting an exclamation on it. You received the spirit because you believe the message. You heard about Christ. How foolish can you be? Some versions say, how stupid can you be? I mean, he's upset. He's basically calling it. He's used the word foolish twice. He's basically co comparing them like this is moronic. How in the world could we have spent years teaching you, discipling you, and these people sweep into town and all of a sudden you, you're, you're backsliding, you're, 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 you're taking on all of these religious obligations again. How foolish can you be, verse three, after starting your new life in the spirit, why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? What he's saying here is like, they're trying to be sanctified. I'm telling you what, on my best day, now I'm sanctified. These young folks don't remember this, but some of y'all middle-aged and older folks, y'all remember when the little, the little grannies used to stand up in church to testify and they would say, Pastor, I'm just glad that I'm saved. What else? Sanctified and filled with the Holy Ghost. 
Oh God, I used to love to hear little sister York. Oh, she, when she got, the Holy Spirit came upon her, she would, she would just, she would, she'd do the rain. She'd just do the rain. It would just be raining, Holy Ghost. And she'd say, I'm sanctified. I'm, I'm just thankful I'm saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm saved. I'm sanctified, and I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. But I tell you what, there are some days where this old boy, he don't walk a straight path. I know y'all do. Y'all never mess up. But this guy, he messes up. He messes up. I know I mess up. I mess up with my attitude sometimes. I mess up with my actions. I mess up with my words. But when Holy Spirit lives in me, Holy Spirit, I don't need, listen, I'm going to use some improper English here. I don't need nobody to tell me that I messed up. Why? Because Holy Spirit lives in me. And usually it's like, it's when I do it, Holy Spirit just said, mm, 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 mm. <laughs> but it's already out. <laughs> you know, I've already done it. There, there are other times when I didn't even realize I did it. And it'll be at the end of the day and Holy Spirit, I've done it here where I didn't even think about certain things. And Holy Spirit will, will say things to me. And he'll say, you need to apologize because you did that. And I'll text somebody or call somebody and I'll, I'll apologize. Some of y'all in this room, I think Selena, you know, some of y'all in this room probably got those kinds of texts from me to say, I'm sorry, or I apologize to you in person. And then there are times where, where it's like Holy Spirit will stop me before it happens. That's the most beautiful thing is like he stops you before you act a fool. He stops you before you mess up. But when we're sanctified, he's saying to these people, he said, what you're doing, you're moving away from Holy Spirit and you're moving towards trying to do everything yourself by your own human actions. And listen to me, I've already told you that the law is just diagnostic. It just tells you that there's a problem. And I want you to, I want you to understand this is the crux of the message today. That we, we choose to live as slaves to performance or as sons and daughters of the promise. What promise are you talking about, Pastor Rife? I'm not going to read it to you. You can finish reading uh, Galatians chapter 3 yourself. But the promise that we're talking about is it goes all the way back to Abraham in the scripture. He said, Abraham, I will make you a great nation. And as he was doing that, he, he was prophesying that he was going to do it through Christ who would come through the lineage of Abraham. And so he's saying, this is the promise. Not only will I make you a great nation, I will prosper you. See, some people need to get in and study some of that Abrahamic covenant because if you're in Christ, you're in the Abrahamic covenant. And he said, I will prosper you. I will give you, just look out, I'll give you every place that your foot touches. I'll give to you as far as you can see in any direction. Oh, Jesus, if somebody just got a hold of that, like when you walk into your territory tomorrow, 
don't, don't think that, you know, I'll just use Josh. Josh, don't think when you walk into Fairhope High School tomorrow that you're walking into the battlefield. So many times, you know, we'll think you're walking into your domain. That's every foot on every piece of that property at Fairhope is yours. He ordained it for you. The same in your business, the same wherever you go. If you are on errands or different kind of assignments for your job, you go into those places. I don't know about you, but there have been some times where I, when I was in retail or when I was in service of some sort in my dad's business, there were certain places he would send me to collect. I mean, I'm just a 17-year-old kid and he would send me to collect collect jobs from different places. And I'm like, man, I just don't even want to go up in here. I, I don't, it doesn't feel good. There's not a good vibe in there. I didn't know what to call it at the time, but it was just, it was the enemy and there was demonic stuff going on in some of those places. And he would send me to, to go into those places and I would be intimidated and, and afraid. But now I'm telling you what, there are not many places that I know that uh, I'm afraid to be. I've been on the streets of New York late at night. I hadn't been afraid to be there. I've been in uh, New Orleans one night. I mean, we've been in a bad section of town. My daughter and I were over there for a concert and uh, we, I'm like, man, I'm hungry. I want some church's fried chicken. We don't have them over here. But they got them over there. I'm like, I want some church's fried chicken. And I see, I saw a sign and I'm like, we're going to go down here. Man, I'm telling you what, that was a crack hood. I mean, they were selling crack out there. Uh, there was a car wreck. We, we, were, we went in there. There's almost a fight uh, in churches. I'm not even lying. This, I, don't, I think she's a prostitute or a daughter of the Lord who was convinced that she was a prostitute. The enemy convinced her. But she walks up in there and she's like, y'all forgot my peppers. <laughs> and we're all like, you better get that woman her peppers. <laughs> she's like, I want my peppers. <laughs> and he's like, get on out of here. I ain't giving you no peppers. He, she's like, I want my peppers. He's like, it's going to be 25 cents. She's like, here's your black and black 25 cents. Give me my peppers. <laughs> Savannah's looking at me. She's like, you want to go? I'm like, I'm getting my chicken. <laughs> I came. I'm going to eat some chicken tonight. And the car wreck that's out there, I looked over at the guy and I said, um, that car, I mean, it's been a long time. I'm not exaggerating this. I mean, I could and make it better, but I'm just telling you the truth. I looked out there and that car was out there for 30 minutes, we're in line. And I mean, there's like 15 people in, in waiting for this. And um, I said, dog, man, that car has, they, they're blocking the intersection. And the guy beside me, he said, oh, this happens every time in this neighborhood. He said, the police station ain't but two blocks that way. He's like, they never come in this neighborhood that quick. And I'm like, how much longer going to be that chicken? <laughs> we got to go, you know, get my Cajun accent on. That was my best Cajun accent. But listen, we can choose to live as slaves of performance. Because if you're going to try to do it your way, you're always going to be a slave 
because you can never fully fulfill the law. You can't do it perfectly. And see, God does not negotiate when it comes to sin. He, he, if, if, if we did not have the, the cross and we were still living under the old covenant and you come and you go like, ah, I, I, I lived it about 80% this week, God, but you know, but uh, you know, I, I fell short a little bit. <laughs> yeah, it just, no, it's, that's just the way it is because the law demands a perfect sacrifice. We could never keep it. We were never meant to keep the law. Never. The law was just to point our condition out. And from the foundation of the world, the scripture says that God had already orchestrated the plan. The plan was Christ to come and Christ makes up the difference. So that better word, the better covenant is that Christ came. And if I can do 80%, he makes up the 20%. Whatever I need, he makes it 100%. So say this with me. We can choose to live as slaves to performance or sons and daughters of the promise. Um, as I talked with you last week, I talked to you about the tree of knowledge, which represented the law. You know, when I was growing up, I believe I told you, when I was growing up, I, I would think about the tree of knowledge as like a, the bad tree. You know, there's the good tree, the tree of life, but there's the bad tree. Don't eat from that one. Oh, you get in trouble. no. There is nothing wrong with the tree of life or a tree of knowledge. It's just as that. It is the tree of knowledge of good and the tree of knowledge of evil. It just tells you what's right and wrong. It's a moral law. It's just like that stops or a speeding sign that I told you about earlier. There's nothing wrong. The, the, Drive 65, it's not wrong or right. It just is. It just is. That's the law. And what we do in response to the law makes it right or wrong. Thou shalt not kill. Well, I don't have to worry about that. I don't plan on killing anybody. But if I were to go out and do that, then all of a sudden I become a murderer, right? But if I abide by that law, I have nothing to worry about. Same with adultery. Like, as long as I don't commit adultery, I'm not an adulterer. And so that law, listen, I don't plan to break that law. Amen to that, mom, sister Shay, amen. You know, as you get older, you call each other mom and daddy. We're not quite there. But I don't plan on breaking that law. So that law doesn't intimidate me. I don't, I don't plan on breaking that law. I don't plan on breaking any of those laws. But there are times that I have broken some of the moral law. I've done it. You've done it. And when we do, Holy Spirit, because now we're under the better covenant, Holy Spirit convicts us when we break moral law. He draws us back to him, points it out. We confess, we repent, and we get up. And here's the beautiful part. The scripture says that a righteous man will fall seven times, but he gets back up every time. Like we're gonna fall, we're gonna make mistakes. And when we do, we get up. But when we get up, 
we don't fall over that same mistake again. You know what I'm saying? Like you can't, listen, if, if you have, and, and I've, I've known people this way, and it's a sad state of affair, but you can't have affair after affair after affair after affair after affair, and you say, I struggle. N- no, you don't. You are living in habitual sin. That's no longer a struggle. That's a stronghold that you've allowed the enemy to bring into your life. Listen, that's a big thing. The majority of us in this room ain't ever going to have to deal with that. But what about attitudes? What about ways we treat people? What about mindsets that we continue to walk in that we won't sacrifice on the altar before the Lord and repent of those? What about those? So the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. One represents the law, one represents grace, but I want to introduce you to another tree. This is not a tree that you're gonna find anywhere in the Bible. This is metaphorical, okay? But you will find the principle in scripture. And this is the tree of license. This is the tree of licentiousness. License, basically, what what license does is it, goes to the other extreme. And I want to just real quickly share with you. For certain individuals, this is from the book of Jude, chapter, uh, uh, this is from the book of Jude. I think it's the fourth verse. For certain individuals whose condemnation was written about long ago have secretly slipped in among you. They were ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into a license for immorality and they deny Jesus our only sovereign and Lord. Think about this for a second. So Paul in Galatians is dealing with uh, justification by faith. He's dealing with people saying, you got to follow all of these laws. Jude is at the other extreme. He's uh, same kind of thing that he's dealing with, false teaching, but it's at the other extreme. Down here, you got all the rule followers that are, that Paul, are in Galatia and Paul's saying, you know, you don't have to follow all of these rules for salvation. Over here, you got them saying in the book of Jude, you ain't got to follow any rules. Like we can do anything we want to. We can have sex on the altar and offer it up to God. And they were doing that. We could, uh, you know, we could do all kinds of immoral acts and they were doing that. And so you had two extremes that were taking place. And this is where the tree of life represents grace. It is promise based. When we live in grace, remember last week I talked to you about balance over here at the tree of knowledge of good and evil, that's law. Over here, the tree of license, that's liberalism, not in a political sense. That's liberalism, that's licentiousness, that's I can do literally whatever I want because Jesus forgave me at the cross. Pastor Rife, nobody's stupid enough Nobody's stupid enough to say that. Everybody look at me. You're looking at somebody who did it. 
when I was a kid and I just got saved. You know that I would come to church on Sunday morning and I would, uh, well, actually, let me back up a little bit further than that. I'd go out on Friday night and I'd live like any good old unsaved redneck boy wants to live. And on Saturday night, it's all before I met my wife, all before I started dating her. She is old crudge mudging. She is old stick in the mud. She is old Christian goody two-shoes girl. She wouldn't do anything bad. But I dated a lot of girls that did. And I'd live like I wanted to on Friday and Saturday. And you know how I justified it? Because what I, what, what I was caught between was the world and the kingdom. I was caught between the two. And I was in that place where I still like this. It's fun doing this stuff. Oh, but I love Jesus and I love all that. And I was like, I got this and I got this and I got this and I got this and I got this. And before you know it, you can't straddle that fence any longer. You know what I'm saying? And so I would literally say this to myself. I don't care if you believe me or not. I literally said these words to myself as a 15 and 16 year old. Well, I'm going to go to church tomorrow and I'm just going to go down to the altar and I'm just going to confess it all. And so Friday and Saturday was live like Rife wants and throughout the week too, but Friday and Saturday were woo. And Sunday morning was get right with Jesus. And then I'd go out and I'd live that all over. And I was living in error. I didn't have anybody. I, no one had taught me yet. And so that's an illustration of sometimes just be patient with people that are screwing up. that are just messed up. Maybe they just don't know. You don't know what you don't know until you know. And then when you know, you have to be responsible for it. And so... I was at this place and I started experiencing the grace of God and all of the promises that he had for me. And he wanted me to not be spread out and straddling the fence. He wanted me to begin to balance my life between the law and liberty or license. License is really the extremist uh, view of it. And this is what God's grace is. God's grace is his righteousness. God's righteousness at Christ's expense. That's a, just a beautiful little definition that I learned in college of what grace was. God's righteousness. Like, in other words, no person in this building is righteous outside of God. Our righteousness is a stench in the nostrils of God. That's what the scripture says. Every person in here, as good as you are, with your best lipstick on, in your best suit, your best hairdo, the best you can possibly be, it's still a stench in the nostril of God because we've all fallen short of his glory. And so on our best day, we're not righteous enough. So what Jesus did, Jesus gave us God's righteousness. Look at this. God made him, Jesus, who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. I'm telling you, if you just start thinking about this, you, it would change your perspective of who you are. Like, Pastor Rife, I don't feel that way. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. 
It's all about what Christ did for us when we receive him. We become the righteousness of God. So the grace of God affords you and I to be, this is going to blow your mind, it's going to blow your mind, as righteous as God is. I'm, does that blow your mind? Like, say it, I am as righteous as God is. Think about what you just said. I am as righteous as God is. But you don't know, me and my husband, we threw down before church this morning. That didn't seem very righteous. Well, it wasn't. But God made up the difference for you. Oh, Pastor Rife, you don't know what I'm struggling with. You don't know, you know, fill in the blank. Pastor Rife, you don't know, fill in the blank. Doesn't matter. It does matter. Holy Spirit needs to, you know, work with you and you need to get that in, in alignment. But you are the righteousness of God, not because you deserve it, but because you've been bought with a price and imputed, given, imparted to you. The difference has been made up that you could never pay for yourself. And we become the righteousness of God. We in our messed upness, this is shouting material, in our messed upness, in our falling short, in our we screwed the situation up, in our we messed up, in our I said words that I can't get back and I, you know, how do I fix that? In all of that, we are still the righteousness of God. That's why it's called grace. Because you didn't deserve it. But he gave it to you and me anyway. When, when you and I realize that, when we realize that, it changes the perspective of who we are. We're not less than, we're more than. Look at this scripture. John 1.12 says, To all who believed him and accept him, he gave the right to become the children of God. Now, I don't know about y'all, but I'll treat some of y'all's kids good. But there are things I'll do for my own kids that I might not do for your kids. And y'all would probably do the same. But when you, you know, listen, we ain't the neighborhood kids. We ain't the stepchild. No, no offense to anybody who's, you know, part of a step family or whatever. We, we ain't the redheaded stepchild. We ain't the mixed family. We are grafted in. We are co-heirs. He adopted us. He placed a ring of sonship on our finger. We are children, sons and daughters of God. That means that I have some privileges. My kids, when they come home from wherever they are, they don't have to walk in my house and ask me, Daddy, can I get a Coke out of the refrigerator? They don't have to ask me, Daddy, can I watch TV? Now, they do occasionally uh, uh, my son will ask me dad can I use your car but honestly that is just a formality because he knows he can use the car he you can have anything that I have because you are my son there are privileges afforded you just because you're my blood you're my family and when we think of that we are sons and daughters of God it changes our identity like we don't we don't come and beg 
Like it breaks my heart when I have uh, uh, believers in the body. They are begging God. God, please, God, please do this. Will you please, please, please? Listen, mm-mm. I ain't begging God for nothing. And that's not because I'm being rebellious. It's because I know who I am. I am one of daddy's sons. I am Abba's son. I am one of Papa's sons that I just tell him what I need. And he supplies the need. Why? Because he loves me. And many times when I'm praying for Destiny Church, I have, I, I, I'll slide into that mindset sometimes, the, the false one or the messed up one. And I, Holy Spirit will say, Stop, stop that. You are, you are about the father's business. Like this ain't my church. Y'all, y'all are not my sheep. Anytime you ever hear a pastor say y'all are my sheep, just bring, don't do it up in front of a bunch of folks. Just take them over to the side. And when you get a private moment, or it might not even be that day, it might be the next day or something, but just gently correct him that, uh, hey, Actually, they're the master sheep and you're the shepherd and the master, the sheep belong, y'all belong to the master. Y'all know what I am. I'm a hired hand. I just, the guy with the staff to make sure you don't run off the cliff and get stuck in the gutter and you know, the wolves don't get you. That's my job to make sure you got food, make sure you got food, make sure it's good food, it's not poison. That's just my job. And when I get into these places where I start trying to take the responsibility of the master, God, how are we going to pay for this? How's this? And the, the Lord reminds me, listen, you're a son. You're a son now. You're doing what I called you to do. Don't worry about all that. I'll take care of that. It don't look like you're taking care of it, Lord. Listen, stop, stop. The Lord will chastise you. And, Lord, don't talk to me that way. Do you remember when I did this and this and this and this and this? And he'll begin to pick my memorials out. He'll begin to pick out, you, you know, I preached on memorials there for a whole, he'll, he'll start pointing out all my memorials. He'll say, don't, don't talk to me like that. Don't talk to me like you ain't got any faith in me. Remember when I did this and this and this and this and this. And I'll be like, oh, my bad. You know, you're God. You do a good job, you know. So let me wrap it up. So you got grace. Grace, while it's promise-based, we live as sons, not slaves. I don't, have to, I don't have to work for my daddy's affection. When we were singing here a little bit earlier, um, you know, we, we sang a couple of new songs today. And it, y'all should have been here for rehearsal because it went great. I don't know what happened, you know, during the real thing. But something went wrong and we missed it. But here's the beautiful thing. I'm not up here trying to win a music MTV award. I'm, we ain't up here trying to win some kind of, I don't know what the music awards are, Grammys, Oscars, whatever they are. We're not trying to do that. This isn't a performance. This is his life. This is our living room. This is where we come to worship together as a family. And so I leave today with no condemnation over whatever happened up here. Because I'm telling you what, uh, I'm going to get there. It might be a rocky start and it might be a crash land and finish, but we're going to get there into the presence of the Lord. 
We've been on planes before. And have y'all ever been on planes where it's like, dude, I don't know where this joker. I, God as my witness. Shay and I were on a plane. I think it was this year. We were on a plane and we were taxing out. And the plane, as he, he turns the corner, I promise you, everybody in their seat went, Whoa. the dude just was like, Whoa. and Whoa. we were off. And I'm like, I don't know where he's going in a rush. And then, I don't know if that was the same flight or if it was a different one, but when, when, we, uh, when we're coming down, I mean, we're coming down, man, you know? And I mean, we just, it's a, it's a, pl- a plane landing. And we're coming down and we land and, and we land. I mean, boom, he crashed that plane into the, into the runway. And Shay is the only person on the flight. Everybody's quiet and polite. And Shay's like, well then. And I'm like, stop. And, and, and what made it worse is that the, Pilot's son and wife were sitting right across, and he made this big to-do out of, you know, like, you know, my, my son and wife are on the plane today, and she's over there going like, well then, he wanted to get here, didn't he? And, um, but here's where I am with that. He got us there. It might have been rocky starting off, and it might have been tough coming down, but we ended up at the destination. And that's really what it's all about because we're not here to perform for the Lord. We're just here to be in relationship with him. And I live my life knowing that I'm a son. I'm not a slave to the law. I'm not a slave to performance. I really, honestly, I don't need your, your approval. I don't need anybody else's approval because I truly am secure in who I am in Christ. I am. There's true freedom in grace. When we get to that place of freedom, if you're not in this place of grace, you'll always be trying to work for uh, approval. Work for it. There's no striving in it. I'm telling you what, this morning for us, and I'm just using that as an example because it's the most real example that I have in front of me. This morning, I'm just telling y'all, I'm like, you know, there's lots of stuff going on in people's head up here. Y'all know that, right? I'm like, oh, boy's over here, Brandon. He's on the keys. He's like, Am, are we starting this in, you know, whatever key? Or did I transpose this right? And yeah, yeah. Oh, he, Dwayne's over here. He's banging and clicking and everything, you know, going like a one-man band over here. You know, we're, we got people sometimes, like, I, I'm doing this for a part-time gig. You know, I'm like, hey, I'm up here until Jesus sends us some more uh, folks on the, on the team. But I'm like, you know, we got air traffic controllers in our ears, you know, and like, you know, I'm like, what? It's Holy Ghost. That's a Holy Ghost talking? Who's talking? You know? And I just told him at one point, like, I ain't using in-ears. And then, and then I realized you have to. But there's lots going on. But you know what? I'm like, when that stuff happens, I don't let that scare me. I don't let that get off on me. Because this is what I will do. If nobody knows me, this is what I will do. I will start pulling wires off. I'll set that mess down. I'll say, stop, let's start over. And we, or if we can't do it, or they don't know a song where I want to go, we'll just do a cappella. Because the point is, we're not performing. It's just about being in his presence. All right, 
So in the law, it's performance-based. This is what happens, and this is going to be important for some of y'all, really for all of you. So when you're performance-based, you are a slave to the law, like you're a rules. And I'm not going to ask you to show your hands, but last week I'm like, how many people are rules folks? How many of people are loosey-goosey folks? You know, just like whatever, whatever. I believe I'm a little bit of both of those. But when you are a rules person, you become a slave to those. Sometimes I'm a slave to certain things. You know, did I, did, I, did I do that? Did I check that off? And I'll get up out of bed to go make sure I did it. And it's like, is the world going to end? Anybody going to die and go to hell? Like, is it, any, is it major? But I, I feel like I'm a slave to that sometimes. You'll be a slave to the law. You're never truly satisfied. These are people who are typically perfectionists. And you, just, you never can find joy in it. Because you're too busy finding all the things wrong. Because that's what the law does. The law points out the wrong. If you think about it, the law doesn't point out right. It does. But the law typically is never going, good job. Good job. Keeping the law. Good job. Good job. The law is typically going, "Uh uh-uh. You're falling short. Not doing it right. It's where you messed up. Screwed up here. That's what the law's doing. And when we are slaves to the law, we're constantly focusing on those kinds of things and we're not satisfied. We're not joyful. It robs us of our joy and it imposes authority. People who love the law and love rules, have you ever noticed that they're the, they're the moral police? Have you ever noticed they're the, they're, they're, the, they're the teacher's pet that gets put in charge of taking names? Marcy, she passed a note to Kevin. You know. They're judgmental. They will see the worst in people and think the worst before they think the best. These are people who are bound and slave to law. But over here on the other side, what happens is this is pleasure-based. You might even say preference-based, but this is pleasure-based. This is at the other extreme that says, hey, God, he's going to forgive me. I can do whatever I want, and he will. But you know what? One of my professors said in seminary, they said, that's what you call cheap grace. You got a cheap version of grace, and you cheapen grace because what you do, you take the beauty of God's grace and you dumb it down to make it an excuse for you to continue to live in sin. And Paul said, what? Just because grace abounds, should we just go ahead and keep on sinning? No, God forbid, he said. It's pleasure-based and this is what you become. You become a, a slave to your flesh, to your own will You become self-indulgent. These are people who are rebellious. And a lot of times it masquerades so well. But there are people that, there are Christians who who are rebellious. And it's just subtle rebellion. But they just, they cannot just do anything and follow the rule. Could you just follow the rule? Uh, We're gonna meet at, 6.30 for this leadership meeting. Can we make it seven? 
Do we have to do it on Tuesday? Can I bring my girlfriend? No, no, nobody, nope. Because the world don't revolve around you. You know, they will find every excuse not to follow the rules. I'll see this in PTA meetings. When I used to have kids, I would just want to say to the parents, shut up and follow the rules. That's why your stinking kid is in the office all the time. Because you're setting such a bad example. I'm sorry, that was Paul, not me. A little bit rebellious. They have authority issues. And they're very permissive. God does not want us to be bound to the law, but he does not want us to be bound to the flesh either. To be licentious, lasciviousness, lustful. And so many times, like I said, you're not going to have to worry about having an affair on your wife. You're not going to have to worry about some of these, what we label as big sins, but they'll just be an attitude. I'm telling you what, if this is you and you feel like, oh, Pastor Rife, you stepped on some toes of mine, then put it before the Lord and change. Just change, repent. All right. We can choose to live as slaves to performance or as sons and daughters of the promise. And I want you to stand with me and I want you to say it, uh, say it like this. We're gonna change that to a personal declaration, all right? And this is the personal dec declaration. And it just simply says, I choose to live as a son or daughter of promise and not a slave to performance, all right? Think about it. I choose, like me, I choose. It's your choice, your choice. Just like I was talking to my buddy earlier, like, hey, where you are right now, it, you're, you're in a choice. You're, it's your choice what you're doing. You can blame the devil all you want. You can blame the church all you want. You can blame your family. What? It's your choice. You have to be responsible for you and take charge of your life. And you can either live as a son or daughter of promise, or you can live to that slave of performance. So let's say it together. I choose to live as a son of promise and not a slave to performance. So how are you going to do that? Same thing I said last week. Sometimes I feel like we walk out of here and I tell you these things and you go, oh, yeah, maybe I'll do that. If you don't do something with this word, it's like you looked at yourself in a mirror and there's a big booger hanging out of your nose. <laughs> and you see it there and you go, that's a big one. <laughs> and you just turn around and you walk away and do nothing. Who in their right mind would do that? No, you would fix yourself. You would make sure everything's in order because the mirror told you what was wrong, but it's up to you to do something with it. So today I've given you the word, the best that I've been able to do. Now go out and do something with this. So what do you do? Make a list of things that affect your balance. What's getting you out of balance into, you know, law, or license? What's getting you on the extremes? Make a list and then
come up with one step, just one step towards eliminating those things. And I would encourage you to also start talking to somebody about it. Because if you really want to do something about your life situation and you bring somebody in it to help you be accountable, I'm telling you what, things will change. And what will happen? We will, Sammy, put it on the declaration. What happens is this goes full circle all the way back to the declaration. You're aligning your heart with the word. You're guarding it. And everything you do is going to flow out of it. And when it's aligned with God's word, that's when lifestyle is going to change and Holy Spirit is going to break out in your life.